but uh, not because we're going to use it against you, God forbid. <laughs> we're recording it so that whoever's here or not here, remember, there's still a bunch of guys still wherever the foot slides we call it. Keep, keep reaching out to them. Don't forget about the crew that we're here. Because you never know, they might make it back. What do you reckon? They're coming back? The, the, the guys that left. Maybe next week? No, I don't know. Whatever. Now they've been saying every time we're going to find them. The parents are scared to say until the war's over. Until the war's over. This is going to be like a six month. Yeah, we don't know when, how long this is going, you know. I'd love it to be over tomorrow. And that's why today's class, we're going to talk about win-win. We're going to talk about victory. Because even though I really, all the things we talked about, remember we had a heart over here? And we had the private victory. Yeah, that was the, that's the private. It's about like you getting yourself together. So we said before we can go public, we first have to sort out the private. Remember one, two, three, proactive and in mind. First things first. And remember, this is all within the intimacy flow. That's why it's in the shape of a heart. We're trying to like be loving people that we can be able to get to the level of having a relationship with someone that actually lasts which is a big accomplishment in 2023. Agreed? That's a victory. Just if you can stay married. I'm, as I said, I'm married 21 years, 22 years is Hanukkah. That's a victory for me personally. But now the problem is we're in a sort of emergency situation. We don't want to be usually in these kind of scenarios like we're in now with a war. This is not how you want to work on yourself. You want to do it in step-by-step -step process. Maybe someone is going to come along situations where you're going to be tested. We've been talking about that with Abram Vino, he was tested. There's going to be situations going to be tested. So usually I would wait till Shmos, till we start talking about B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish people, like as a whole, as a nation, because we switch. Right now we're talking about individuals, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov. This is the winter, the beginning part. We're getting ready for the Hanukkah, for the, like you've really been here now, solid time can really feel like you've accomplished. And then we can start walk, talking about how now what we're going to do for the Am, for the nation. So too in the Torah. What are we going to do for B'nai Yisrael? Yeah, but right now I don't really have that, le that leisure to just say we'll hold off on getting to win-win, to victory, because we want victory now. Yeah, because every minute that soldiers out there, guys, every minute one of my, my sons out there, he's still a whole week now in Gaza. I haven't heard from him directly once. His phone's been taken away. You know, every week our soldiers are out there. We're just hearing another death, you know, another, another injury, another story. And obviously we want them to, to do this. We want them to win and kill our enemies. But uh, the longer it goes, the more casualties and painful it is and more politicized and it's difficult. But they also have to do it in the right way. We can't, we can't rush, you know, this kind of process is very difficult. So... As much as we want this war over and everyone back here and like, you know, life goes back to like a more positive, hopeful level. In the meanwhile, while we're still in this war, we've got to step on the pedal a little bit, like all of us. So one of the things I haven't done so much, which I regret not doing, but it's going to be up to you guys to do. I asked you last week um, in the chat, if anyone takes, takes a look in the Intimacy Boys chat we, that you guys yourself set up. You're going to have to come to me with a little bit more Q&A, like things you want to discuss about intimacy so that we can get more sorted out in a public place. Because once we've got this down, 
now you're more aware of what your issues are. Now we can start as a group. We can work it out together. I can't do this myself. I can't really help you guys unless you want to help yourselves. And that means help as a group. Obviously, it's anonymous. We're not going to say names. Remember, it's recorded. We're not, well, any questions that come up, any personal stuff, anyone wants to speak to me before, after, during, I'm open like, to talk about these kind of subjects. They're difficult for 2023 because, as we mentioned, sex education, as an example, and Netflix, it's a very confused world in this story. And you can see by your generation of teenagers, like what are they running around university? Because a lot of guys and girls at your age are in university now. They didn't get this gap year or a few years to take out of that. And what are they doing in America? What, what are they in, in the UK? What are they chanting? How are they talking? They don't sound like they've got their heads on straight to me. Yeah? Agreed? Yes. What they're saying things like free Palestine to the river to the sea. That means genocide of the Jewish people. Like, it's not the kind of stuff I was saying when I was in university. And nobody was saying. Even the Arabs or the Muslims or the, the Christians or anyone I met in university. No one was saying stuff like that. It was, it, was, it was, there was, you know, beginning plants of seeds of that kind of conversation, but it wasn't so explicit, the hatred and the, the disdain for us. And so that's just a very extreme example, but it's all been within, like BLM rights, the year, two years before and the year before, like there's been this boiling point in the world in the young generation of confusion. And as I said, the sex education, Netflix app, series shows where it's at on the sexual intimacy level that it's it's a bit screwed yeah literally like it's 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 just free about feelings and no real logic nothing rational like did anyone check out ben shapiro in cambridge and oxford yeah, anyone have yeah. a look oh, yeah. yeah you watched it just watched the whole thing this morning yeah i li I, li I literally watched the whole thing late at night because i don't like staying up too late because then it messes me up like so then i can't get up to like this kind of stuff in, a, in my full focus but I was mesmerized by the, not them, they were a joke, but the way he dealt with them, like his, his ability to deal with, deal with the new generation of universal, university, like supposed elite. And then if these are the elite, God save, God save the queen or the king and everyone else, yeah? Because they're not really the elite. They're pretty, I wasn't impressed. I don't know if you guys felt the same, like their arguments were not, um, at all on par with where he was and he destroyed them as they say or you know there's they, they they'll take a clip where it makes it look like they destroyed him but it doesn't i mean it's anyone who puts it into the full context he destroyed all of them and uh and it wasn't like destroying he literally just showed they're just missing facts and they're missing values and morality and so so based on that we're in such a time and this these kind of discussions that's going on online, exposing how, or the TikTok videos, the whole reality that's going on is exposing how confused people are. So we as a group here, we got to really, really go for this, like really realize we're at war. And it's not just a war on, on, the, on the field in the army, it's a cultural war. And that means we need to know our values. And in the intimacy realm, it's going to be the, really one of the hardest places. And it's the most personal as well. Because this is, you know, think about it. This is your body, your intimate, intimate realm. This is who you're letting into your most intimate self. Now, if you take from the Torah, it says when Adam connected to Chava, he knew her. It means knowing the other person on the deepest level. That's what intimacy really is. 
It means connecting on the most deep level. There's a guy called Gadari Fence I'm a fan of, and he's, uh, he has a rehab, and uh, we're friends in Miami, a beautiful home. He has a detox. He has amazing businesses, which I've been in his businesses. And, um, you know, I'm just always, like, careful with what I'm saying. But when I was at his business, he has this, like, Miami, like, beautiful woman PA working for him. And I, I walk in, and I have to talk to her a little bit because he's asking me to go back and forth between her to get things printed and prepared for the event that we're doing in Miami. And so she starts talking, and I'm there all day, every day, for that time in Miami because I've, I've got meetings in the office there that he's given aside a space. And he, he's making a party in his house, beautiful part house. I mean, no, it's on the bay there, and it's like with a beautiful swimming pool. And, you know, like you have to understand this setting. Most bays in Miami, I don't know, have you been to Miami, guys? You know, the Miami. So you, if most of the bays, there's constant like traffic in the bays with boats. His bay, there's nothing because it's private. And that's, that's like another level. There's levels, yeah? But to get into his building, you have to go through levels, not just one level of security, two, three levels of security to get to that part of Miami. Like there's gates and gates and gates. And you get to it, and this house, swimming pool, the, the whole set, setup, it was all lit up. It was all decor, like you can't imagine. And they even had a DJ and a barman for the party. Um, and I was talking to her and she was like, you know, I was like, you should come as well, because like his worker. And she, oh, don't worry, I'll be there. And um, she turned up and, you know, and I'm a married man and I got to like have my boundaries and I'm here to do good, only positive things and focus. And obviously there's nothing, she's like, you know, it's not even anything gonna happen or anything. But nevertheless, there's still that energy. And you got to figure out like, now, my energy is for my wife, that's it. My energy, I can't even think about this. It's not even an option. It's not even a conversation. And I'm sure it wasn't by in her head, but as a man, you're gonna start feeling those things when you see a beautiful lady and you, you communicate, communicate, communicate. Now, one of the things is that's been brought to my attention and this, I want you guys to, once again to ask me questions. I don't want, I'm not gonna just talk and talk. Brought to my attention is that when you, See, a, a, a lady, you, your first thing to do, especially with the way the world's trained us, is to give her like a measurement, like where, where's she at? You know, is she, a, is she a one, she a two, a three, four, five, yeah? The number game, everyone plays that? Play yeah. Huh? Let's play it. Play it. So we could play it. I mean, I reckon that woman was like an eight, a nine. She was divorced, you know, but she, or getting divorced. What's next to a ten? Uh, ten? <laughs> okay. So you guys are already on this game way ahead of me. Um, over here with the private victory of one, two, and three, we're pretty low down because we've got to first sort ourselves out. That's an important point. You can't really rate someone else until you're rateable yourself. That's an important point. Meaning you've got, you've got to sometimes turn the, turn the table. Wait a minute. What am I? What's my, I was speaking to my wife about it, and she said a lot of the guys don't realize they're not such God's gift to man. Yeah, like when my wife used to play this game and she used to write my name, you know, Martin Sauber, uh, that was what it was then, and Ellie Goldsmith was my name, and she'd like do the numbers, I don't know if you've seen that game, and you'd work out the letters with the numbers, and then you'd see if they're compatible, she'd do stuff like that. Huh? It was, yeah. So she was very happy. Or, you know, you do that, she loves me, she loves me not, with the rose, or, you know, there's all these different silly things. But the point is that there, there was that, that idea of connection, that energy, 
and that feeling of wanting to evaluate this woman. But remember, women but covered Basmalach Panimo, they're much deeper than that. It's not just about how they look externally, it's a person. Like my wife pointed out to me, a lot of the girls who were the, the kind of girls that would get that 10 or whatever you'd say, they were not the greatest people inside. They were like uh, BITC, uh, I don't want to say. Yeah, they were uh, Japs or whatever you want to call them. They, they were not real people inside. They had it externally, but they hadn't done the inner work. They hadn't done what we're talking about with these last sessions of working on the private victory of really getting yourself sorted out within and therefore the whole evaluation was nothing because you're not really going to connect to this person past how they look because the whole person inside is really where it's at because remember i said before intimacy is getting to know someone and getting to know someone is past the body parts yeah it's a personality it's a soul thing like um Kedali always says when you connect one day please god you'll find your soulmate and you'll connect to that person when you're connecting with them, don't forget these words. You're downloading your das, your knowledge, your, everything you've accumulated into that other person. Like, that's really what's happening on an intimate level. That's why it formulates children, it formulates something worthwhile. Now, if you're just downloading it into a plastic thing and throwing in the pach, yeah, which is unfortunately what the world's doing mostly, or you're not even doing that, you've found some other way around it, but you're not really connecting in that, with that in mind. So you don't really understand that you've just got this tremendous opportunity to bring down a soul and you've downloaded it to nowhere. Yeah, like that's if, if for example, if a person has a, a tremendous like gift, you know, you've just got your inheritance after 120 with your parents and then you just like go out to Vegas and blast it all. How would you feel the next like two days after with the hangover and all the fun moments you seemingly had, but you've got no inheritance, you just blew it. And everyone in your family is like, what do you do with the inheritance? Like, we're going to invest in property. And we, we had this whole like, you know, opportunity to uh, business investment. And you just blew it in Vegas in two, three days. That would be like everyone here would know that that was a complete waste. So really you have to understand that kind of connection. You're downloading your inner wisdom into something that's meaningless if it's not your soulmate. And that's the concept that people don't realize how powerful the intimacy game is. It's like the most deep part of yourself connecting with a deep part of another person. And the problem is the world's made it so externalized that like you're saying, you're playing a number game. That there are this and there are that. And, but you're not even saying about what am I? You're just saying what they are. And that sort of devalues who they are because as we said, the, the, the beautiful part of a woman is the, in, the inner realm. It's not just how she expresses herself externally. Find it will shine out. It was shine out and being a beautiful lady. But um, yeah, this, so these are the kind of things we're going to bring up. And I want you guys to ask me questions. If you have a question, seriously, I can't win this victory by myself. I can't just stand here and talk and talk. I want you guys to, to, to comment or ask. Like, ask me a question about this subject. And I, I do believe I'll have the answers. I'm not maybe as sharp as Ben Shapiro, but I do have, in this subject, I do have a lot of wisdom and experience that, as I said, uh, many times and it makes you laugh but I, re I really like have had that journey that I'm happy to feel that that's something I can share with you guys and it will help you so and I believe you'll help me understand it better as well by asking me or bringing me like good points because one of the reasons why Ben is so good at what he does Shapiro is because he's so sharp because he's so consistent at doing it again and again and doing these debates and doing these up that's how you come good at your material. You want to become a successful person as well, keep doing it day after day. 
Uh, you know, fat practice makes perfect, yeah? All the goats, they, they don't stop doing their thing day after day after day. All right, today I don't have my Jordan, I have thank you Hashem. So today I'm working on appreciation, yeah? But every day it's different, different, different vibes. But um, the question is, how are we going to win this war? We've got to do it together. We can't do it alone. And that's really the real key to win-win. Win-win means I want you to win just as much I'm going to win. Yeah? In your, in your army unit, you want, I want to be the best soldier or you want to be the best unit? Yeah, best pluga. You want to be the best pluga? Because it's not going to help. You might be blasting everyone away, but now your pluga is half asleep or not really into it. And then you're by yourself out there facing the enemy. That's not going to be good. It's not going to be a good ending. It might be a good Rambo movie, but it's not going to be like uh, a good reality in, 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 in Onomazen, a reality of how war really is, not just how the movies make it. Because there, the bullets always miss. Here, if you don't have your backup and your team, it's, you know, it's, you, the lowering the chances is not how we do war. So who, who wants to ask me something, please? Question about... Intimacy, scoring women, like, what, I don't care what it is. You want to mm -hmm. ask me graphic stuff, I'll deal with it. I'm there. You regret sleeping with women before you got married? Yes, so one of the most painful days of my life is when I slept with that girl, Emily, from Prince William's birth. Did I mention that story already? Is that your cousin? No, <laughs> oh, the cousin, that's another one. So that one I never slept with her. And I don't regret not sleeping with her, thank God, because that was a bit weird. I don't regret not sleeping with her because I didn't sleep with her. Thank I did kiss her, but that was weird. It felt weird. It's like, I don't know, like that moment where you just, uh, there was a movie there that, like, what was it? Uh, Back to Future when he kissed his mother or something? I don't know. That was pretty freaky. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, kiss, kissing um, your cousin's not really the, I mean, you can marry them. I mean, it is not against the rule book, but uh, yeah. But do I regret? Yeah, the one I regret is Emily, the non-Jewish girl that I slept with. Because, I don't know, it just... One, I'm Jewish, so I, it was the first time I slept with a non-Jewish girl. And it, I think it was my first time of any, sleeping with any girl, actually. And I'll be honest, I, I borrowed a... Uh, I'm going to be very graphic here. I, borrowed, I don't mind, it's recorded, it is what it is. I borrowed a recording for my brother. Oh, I borrowed a condom for my brother, yeah? So he, he had it in his room, and I just, I knew he'd have, so I went into his drawer and took him, I, I wasn't prepared, and it broke, yeah? Because it wasn't obviously like, I don't know, maybe it was an old, it wasn't valid, or whatever it was. You know, or it could be other reasons, but I don't want to say. You know, but the point was, it broke. And so not only, not only did I sleep with a non-Jewish girl, but also the condom broke, and then I was freaking out afterwards. Yeah, and, and I know there's an after the thing pill and all this stuff, but you know, I, I wasn't so clued up at that time and maybe they didn't have technology like that as much. Remember it was in the 90s, yeah? So I don't know where they were at with that stuff. So I went to my bro oldest brother and I asked him, I told him what happened because I was freaking out and he's not the most emotionally like, you know, tuned in guy, but he did give, he was there for me in those moments. And he said to me, you know, he said to me, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, probably nothing happened. And, uh, but I said, I feel really dead inside, like something wrong happened. And that he can explain. But I knew deep down as I went on my journey, that's because I sat with a non-Jew, yeah? That something inside me felt like it died. Like not, I didn't feel good. Forget about the other part of it. Did she get pregnant? No, she didn't. 
I didn't feel good. Now this same girl, Emily. You didn't feel good only because he was a non-Jew or because he was Yeah, like, deep down really? I, I felt like that's something. Like, whatever, that's like, I felt like... Small to get someone pregnant. That's like, you change your whole life. Yeah, but that wasn't my... I, that, everyone said, don't worry about it. Because I explained, explained how it went down and they were like, don't worry about it. But when it came to the feeling how I felt inside about her, guys, just to catch you up, we're doing a Q&A of intimacy stuff because we want to win this war. And I'm just going through a little bit. My, they asked me about, do I regret some of the girls I sat with before? So the one I regret with the most is the non-Jewish girl who I sat with. Yeah? And she was the only one non-Jewish guy I sat with. I did have other opportunities, and each time I turned it down. Every time you went to the club or something, I turned it down. You were sleeping with... No, you girls. To, you wanted to make out with someone, you asked if they're Jewish? No, girls. It, I just, it was obvious. Girls, I remember, I'll give you another story and then we'll get back to the you Emily one. Like no, another story. I, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was in one of these Ibiza islands. You know Ibiza? Like, you ever heard? Yeah, there's, yeah, there's even a Netflix film called Ibiza. Actually. It's, it's like, like, like. The most famous party destination like outside the US. Like, you have these Spanish US islands. Or? So the one I was on was called uh, Ibiza. It was, the one I was on wasn't as big as Ibiza. It was a, like a lower level version. It was called, uh, I have to ask my friends, we were just, we were all like remembering that, that weekend there. It was crazy. Um, I feel Malagouf. Malagouf? Yeah, Malagouf. We went to Malagouf. I can't believe I remember the name. And it was, it was crazy island, yeah? We went there as my crew, and my ex-girlfriend at that time, she was the other girl that I was with for a long time, and it was Deborah. And she, she, uh, she was there as well. And I was there with my boys, and she was there with her crew, and the guy that she cheated me on with the dress. Remember I told that story? Did I tell that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She told me, she cheated on me with the dress that I just bought her that day. And so she was there at that, part, at that island as well. That's the divine providence. Like, of all the islands and all the places in the world, I go with my boys for a week away just to get away from everything in London and just have a good time, and there she is. It's like, come on. And, like, you know, and she's like looking good. It's all like, you know, because it's tanned. And it's like, Did you grow from that time? Or she was my ex, but I hadn't really like, got over her. It's literally in between scripts. Yeah, it was like... Well, it was like and she kept being at the same places, all the main locations I went to. And, I, and then her, the guy that she cheated on, he actually wasn't there himself. I'm going to correct the story. But he was, all the boys that he was friends with were there. She yeah? cheated on you and this guy? <laughs> she cheated on me with this guy. Yeah. Oh, but that was at, at that party the night after I bought her the dress and been with her family. So now we're, in, we're no longer in London. We're now in this country, Malagufa, or whatever it's called, near Spain. And she's now, what she's done, she's, she's there with... All, not her crew and all the boys' crew that she cheated on with, but he himself wasn't there, which was better because I would have gone a proper fight with him. In London, like it would have been maybe different. I mean, I had more boys maybe than him because I just was that kind of guy, but his boys were older and you know, it would have got pretty crazy. But once you're now you're like in a new situation and it's you know, the guy standing there, you're just going to knock him out. But I didn't, I didn't, and he wasn't there. So I got enough started getting a bit of fights with the, his boys because they knew that I would, the whole story and they were trying to tell me to stay away from her. And anyway, so at that club that she was that one of the nights, there was this girl who was dressed to the nines. That's what we call it. Yeah. 
I don't know, maybe we shouldn't use these numbers, bad game, because, but she was dressed to the nines, that's how the, the, the language is brought down. And she had like, a, I didn't know this, but she, she was tall and she had the whole thing. And she was like one of these club girls. I don't know, maybe they're employed by the clubs, I don't know. And I started like hanging out with her a little bit, flying home, you know, trying to make the other girl jealous, the ex-girlfriend. And then I went, I went on this whole crazy thing, I was so drunk, and I went on this whole run around the, the island, and I ended up in this like little restaurant thing late at night, and there was the girl from the park club, the actual girl. And I sat down for her, and she said, do you want to come back to my place? I was like, all right. You know, I'm on the rebound right now, so that's, that's what rebound is. And I went back to her place, and she started taking off like all the stuff she was wearing. It was a bit freaky, like, you know, I hadn't ever been with like a girl who wore a wig or all that, maybe nowadays become more common. But like, you know, she had like hair extensions and she took off her heels, she wasn't so tall anymore. And, you know, a lot of it, what? No, she was still, she was still pretty, like as anything, which she can't, but she wasn't like, the way that you experienced at the club, like, because it's a whole, like, show. Anyway, she, she was like, come, come lie down, and, like, we'll, we'll talk, you know. I literally did nothing. I didn't, I didn't sleep for anything. I could have done whatever I want, but I didn't. And all I did was just keep talking about relationships and wanting to connect, you know, and, and, this, and I have this girl who was there, and I'm, you know, it's really hard for me that the way it's all panned out. And, and she said, yeah, she has a guy waiting for her in Wales, which is where she's originally from. And she feels bad how she's living out here. And it ended up becoming this deep conversation. And the only thing I did, she, by like three, four in the morning, she just says, can you just like, like hold me? Like just, I just feel very like alone over here, really, honestly, even though I'm living this seemingly fun lifestyle, but inside I feel alone. And I did, I just held her. And I remember leaving like six in the morning or something and the guys were like, oh, when I saw them all, you know, where you been? Oh, you saw you go off with that girl. And I was like, no, nothing happened. And they're like, what? You know, like, you know, that kind of conversation, yeah? Anyway, so get back to Emily. So Emily, she didn't leave me alone. And it's not, she wasn't, she was a cool girl. She was, she was from, like, royal, like, stock, you know, from that world of central London. And it's funny because my father, when we went back to London... He took us on a tour around London, like my wife, my third son, and he took us on a tour to all the cool places, yeah? And he went to Buckingham Palace, you know, and then he takes us along this street. I don't remember exactly the street, but he says, this is where I met your mum. She fell down the stairs. Hey, see the staircase? She fell down. I was at the bottom. It was a jazz club. I met your mother on these stairs. And I was like, wow. Like, I came into the tour through these, this jazz club and like, Fancy place in London. And then she goes, this place, we walked a bit further down, is where I met this girl, because I used to work in here, um, and this was like in the 60s, 70s. I used to work there doing all the decor of the shop, and it was like some sort of Selfridges, but like a London version. And uh, there's still the, the, the main idea of the shops that exist some in a larger form now in London. But yeah, it used, this was the place, and it still has the name on the wall of the original name. That's where I worked. And he said that in the place who worked there, posh London girls. But some of them were royalty. Some of them from the royal family. Because it was like a high-class place, and I was good at this. So they, And one of the girls invited me back to a place. And, I, you know, and the, the parents were like, you know, very upset when they discovered me in their house with their daughter, and not from royal stock. 
you know, like the Jewish people have our standards, the royalty have their standards, yeah? So she sent him out, and uh, he, he, he just, I don't know, my father just telling me this, you know, it's like, I never heard this story, and he's like, you know, his, his time of the royalty. So I had my moment with this kind of royal kind of person, and she was really into me, and she would come all the way from central London, if you know the Northern Line, you know how the, the, the underground works? Yeah. It's pretty big and extensive. And all the way to come meet me where I lived, and all the way at the end, Edgeware. It's like the end of the Northern Line. She'd come all the way, and she'd see me, and, and you know that's where we began that whole story that I mentioned. And even when I told her, like, we need to have a break, like, you know, I just didn't feel right. Um, and then she even a few times sent me letters and snaps. So I ended up meeting her in town. Now she came in the car this time I met her in town and she tried to sleep with me in town in the daytime. She literally tried in the car on top of me like was getting ready to go and I was like in the car I was like nah, it's not happening here. Yeah and it was that kind of vibe and, and I'm telling you she wasn't ugly at all she was like a blonde beautiful girl like from that world and I just felt like something was just never going to connect and that was constantly my question why am I Jewish? Why do I need a Jewish woman? Why do I need Jewish friends when I've got all these other options on the table in London? And I just, that was the burning question. Like for me, like my whole journey of Judaism began like that, with that question, why I just didn't feel comfortable with that kind of reality. And same, even when I went to Malaguf, you think I would have hit with some women? I didn't, I didn't, in university. I didn't get with one woman in university and past a certain stage, I did not, nothing. And it doesn't make sense. I was like, as I can show you a picture. I mean, I already have sent you a few. It was not an ugly dude. And girls were interested. Girls would come to my place. Things would, uh, situations would, would happen. And I didn't go fully all the way because I just didn't feel like this is what it's about. And that was also a thing. Like, what is wrong with me? I'm not gay. Yeah, that, that, that's, you know, for sure. And I'm, I am sexual. Like, I am a sexual guy. Like, I have these feelings, I'm, it's real things, but like, I just can't complete it with these kind of people. Like, I really need it to be someone more than that. So, I don't know. So, that's, that's I regretted that time. Your question's good, and I regretted that time, but it did teach me a lot about myself. So, that's the important part. That when you, when you go through something in life, the key is, rather than regretting it, it's about what can I learn from it. And I did learn the right... I learned something about myself that I just wouldn't go with non-Jewish women. It just some, and it wasn't anyone telling me, wasn't a rabbi, was no, had no rabbis in those days. It wasn't some religious thing. It was just an inner awareness. I didn't feel right. Something was off. And that was it. That was enough for me to like guide myself away from that. Um, next question. Did you ask you with two women? No, I never had a, what they call it? Threesome. Threesome, yeah, I never had a threesome. What's your name? Would I have liked one? Look, I don't know, like the movies make it look good, but it, when I've talked it out, like, because I talk, I'm very open with my wife about these kind of concepts, not that we would ever do it, but just the idea of it, like, you know, working through things, and she's, the idea of, she's disgusted by even kissing or anything with another woman, so to her it would never ever happen, yeah, she's a holy woman, she's not interested, and so that's already like closed the door, because it's all about my wife, yeah. Now, there is like a whole movement out there, and I'm saying this, I'm being like straight with you guys, where the world's at. There's a whole movement of sex therapy out there where sex therapists actually engage the couple in that kind of stuff to sort of help them through the, their sexual journey. And Why? Like, what's the logic? 
the logic is that it, it's sort of they're trying to awaken the passion. It's, it's not so logical because it's wrong, but they're trying to awaken the passion. They have a theory out there. It's, it's, it is available in America. And there are people who will do it as part of their sex therapist business. They will physically get involved with the couple to help them develop the right you know, connection. And I, think, I personally think it's sick. You know, I, I feel sorry for those therapists. I feel sorry for the couples that need that. Um, I think it's a sad thing that they've come to such a low level physically that they need to engage with another third party for that intimate moment. Because once again, intimacy means it's between you and this other person, most intimate level. How can you share that with a third person? Okay, next question. Yeah. There's this thing called November, like no, not November. Yeah. Say again? It's like a challenge in November. This is the whole world. Challenge. I know the world has challenges, like people have like sober November. November. Not allowed to do anything. No, that's what you just gotta stay pure for Yeah, all. sober November, yeah. I've heard that oh, with drugs, alcohol. Like yeah. Rogan, Rogan always talks about it yeah. with, he, with his cover, like they don't drink, they don't do drugs. They, they have a whole month of sober November. Yeah, right. I've heard about it. And you know, so you're not allowed to be with a lady. Like okay, so I like, I edit, all those kind of, all those challenges are good. because. Yeah, go on. What's your body count? Say again? What's your body count? I'm not saying. No, no. Right, sorry, man. I've already given you a few insights. I mean, I'm already by three already based on this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> you weren't here the whole time, but three. Sixty. <laughs> but right now, uh -huh. here we go. That's where I'm at right now, and that's where we're staying in this, in the terms of my journey for this today, anyway. But to get back to the sober November, it's a fair enough question. I mean, I, I've I've watched movies, I've seen things, I've I've even had friends who. Their body counts are huge. Yeah, it's terrible. Just did you, uh, when we when we were one thing that helped me as a kid to, to limit that. One thing that helped me there was there was a whole AIDS, AIDS epidemic. Who remembers the AIDS epidemic? Were you too young? When I was a kid, AIDS was like a big thing. So when we grew up, one of the main adverts would come on, which you'd see this like one woman, and suddenly this man on top. Yeah, because they're connecting in that way. And now it would flash all the people that they've all been with. And it was mad. Like, it was like thousands of people just, because they've all like been with each other. It's this whole chain. Of, and you're starting to think so. Would I want all those people in this space? Like, no. Some of them were disgusting. Some of them, like, yeah. You know, like, you went to that woman and then that man. And then, uh, you, I don't want all that. And it's like, it's too weird. Yeah. It's hard enough to sit on a plane with people and breathe the same air. The thing that I have to like now imagine my wife of like a hundred thousand people that through each other they've all been with each other. It's sort of a bit off putting. And with the AIDS epidemic, it, you know, you could die from it that, in those days before they had all the technology we have now to deal with it. But um, to get back to the question, the original question, your question again was sober November. So the idea of having challenges, Gedalia Fenster, I mentioned his name before, he has a 40 day challenge. He puts people on it. I can put you guys on it if you're interested. I think it's a good idea. I, what I did was, when I was in a yeshiva called Nevesion, we, we had a go clean month. Everyone who went clean for a month, I would take them out to eat in, in a fat restaurant. I got it funded, and I'd take everyone out. Now, where did I go wrong? I took them all out after the, a good crew of guys, and they were drug tested. So it wasn't like just based on opinion. I'm not going to go test your you know, sperm if you've been with someone, I don't even know if it works. But 
Um, but say with drugs, yeah, you could test if they've been drugs and they were daily drug testing them that whole month. And they were all sober that whole month. So we took them out for a fat meal. Where did I go wrong? They all ordered endless alcohol and got pissed off their heads, all the guys. And there was a video of them all drunk off their heads. And the guy who gave the money was like, you've just transferred from one drug to another. I'm not interested. He was very disappointed because all the guys just got blasted. He was like, oh, we were celebrating. I was trying to justify it. Say, there's nothing wrong. And he was like, no, no, no. If you're going to be sober, you don't celebrate a sober meal. Go sober with like a piss up, yeah, as he called it. Yeah? He, was, he, was a bit, he wasn't up so happy about it. Anyway, so I didn't do it again. But the idea is that it did work, though. People were clean. who would never be clean. And in terms of, in this area, the 40-day challenge of not masturbating, not being with a lady, yeah, it, it does help a lot because it shows you you can have abstinence. And the best part of the abstinence is that you have self-control, is you start to feel a different energy level. This is, once again... All this stuff that we're talking about, how do you win the, va- the, the war? It's because you are now at a better place within. That's the most important point. You can't really do it. It's all about mindset. You're in war. Who are the ones who are going to win? The mindset's in the right, in their head's in the right place. So then they're, they're on a, as we said, the goats, they're like at a higher level. They're in their zone. How are you going to get in that zone? Ask the goats. How much are they bagging here, left, right and center, every lady around, or, or they're not? Majority of them are not. The ones who are really... You talk, listen to Rogan when he talks about the fighters. Yeah? What, 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 who are the fighters who are really rocking it out? Who are really winning the most? In NWA and all that kind of stuff. UFC. Who are the ones winning it? Uh, McGregor. Muslim, Arab. No, McGregor not. Arab. Yeah, what are they doing? They don't fuck Ah, no parties. No, no late nights boozing up. Yeah, not open to this woman, that woman. The energy level you have when you control yourself in this area is amazing. Because it's so much energy you're downloading, as I said before. You're downloading big money, big bucks. This is like million dollar seed. This is energy. These are souls. And you're just blasting out some whoever. She's walking around with your, your inner in energy, your inner soul. Because it's coming through you on the inner level. Your energy, your inner energy is going out to some lady that you're never going to see again. She's walking around with your DNA and who knows what. You don't want it in there. And say you didn't even put it in her, you put it in the bag. That goes into the trash. That's where your inner energy and wisdom goes to. Yes? Have you ever heard of BDS, huh? What's that? Kinky stuff. Kinky stuff. All right. So, no, this is great. Kinky, Kinky stuff is overrated, honestly. Because... The problem, where it all goes wrong, is that it's overly orchestrated. Meaning, let me explain with intimacy. What, when it's really amazing, it's not even about intellectualizing it. Do you understand? It's not about like setting it into all these positions and ways and approaches. That's already like missing the flow. If you're in love with someone, it's, sponta- it's deep. It's coming from a... It's not even spontaneous. It's from a deep connection wanting to have with this person that's beyond then all these positions, all these ways, all these things. And even if you go into Shulchan Aruch, you go to Halacha, now there's, there's the mission... This is important. Reish Mem is a famous area in Halacha and Aruch. I'm not a rabbi. I'm just telling you what it, what, it, what it says over there. And you can do with it as you will or ask a rabbi yourself. But that Reish Mem, it says... 
You should look at the lady like a, de like a demon, basically. She's tempting you with your area, and she's tempting you. And it, that's the kind of like fear and pachad and yira and like holiness that you should look at it with. That's, that's what's brought in Orachayim. You go to Eben Ezer, it brings, that's Rabbi Eliezer's shita. You go to Eben Ezer, another partial Gemara, and Rabbi Shua says it's all about pleasuring her. The opposite. It's not about she's a demon, it's about pleasuring her, and there's a lot more heterium, like permission, permiss, permission to be able to do how to do that, and therefore it's, it's not like some scary thing, it's something very beautiful, and it's an opportunity to... So based on the two places in Halakha, you've got two different ways of looking at connecting with a woman. One is a, it's a very scary thing, and it's, this is, you can't just do what you want, and you have to have, be aware that God's in the room at the same time, and it's a spiritual moment, Another one is saying, no, it's about really pleasuring her and, and giving the full experience. And that's the mindset which I would say for our generation, based on the... Like when I tell you the, the demon one, you don't really relate to it, yeah? Or maybe you do, some women are like that, but... Does, does anyone relate to that demon approach, yeah? Yeah, anyone feels connected to that? No. About the idea of giving her, making her feel good, does that something that you relate to? That makes sense, yeah? Okay, so you've got to, within the realm of Torah, you've got to figure out where you're at and speak to people, and that's why before you get married, you're going to have that kind of conversation, and you're going to have the opportunity to know how to do it in a way that really leads to longevity in this relationship. On an on a inner level, the concept of kinkiness is like missing the point, because a lot of women aren't, the main, main issue is they're not actually that into it. It's like... Unless you've got that kind of, and then I'd be questioning what kind of woman is she if she's overly into that kind of stuff. Like, really, a woman should want to have that first, most importantly, emotional connection, and then through that you develop into a more intimate level. But if she only wants that kind of physical way and all these different things, and then maybe there's something off there. Like, once again, it could be some red flags if she's overly into that kind of headspace. So that would be a red flag as well. But one of the important things I just want to say to you guys is don't make, for example, in this program, don't make these women into objects. They're beautiful, well, they've come here, they're in your program. These are beautiful souls who are on the same program as you. Think about them a little bit with a bit more dignity and respect that they deserve and just allow them to not feel like you're evaluating them as numbers and as objects. Like, you know, they're people. Remember that. You have sisters, you have mothers, you have daughters. One day, you don't want to do that to these girls in this program and de devalue them just because they're the same age and there's that kind of vibe. They're, they're better than that, and you're better than that. And you just, you've got to keep, keep the picture a little bit more elevated because it's something which is a, is a challenge based on the education you're getting from outside. It's going to make you want to think in that way, but that's not really the right way to think. Yes? Um, what do you... What do you think about going into the back row? The what? That position? I don't um, someone will explain. Someone will explain. I don't mind, you laugh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I I think that's disgusting, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I, I all these diff that's where there's certain thank God Torah Torah definitely doesn't like that, yeah? yeah. Now once again I mentioned Rabbi Shua, there's rooms there's room for but if you'd ask a woman, what does she want? Once again, it's, this is the whole focus. If it's on her, unless she's like 
growing up in, the, in some crazy like situation where she was abused or who knows what, or where she's been overly exposed to Cardi B or something, I don't know what, yeah? Unless she's hanging around with that kind of crowd, yeah, she's not going to want that. A normal Jewish woman does not want that. Just being honest with you, yeah? I don't know all Jewish women, but based on the conversation, they don't want it, yeah? So based on that, all the fact that they don't want it is already makes it forbidden to you. Not even Torah, just, just being a self-respecting human being. Once a woman doesn't want it, that already says no to you. Because remember, we're here to give to them. We're not here to take from them. And that really is the wrong approach for that kind of connection because there's nothing they're really gaining from that. Do you understand? Yeah? One more question. Um, do yeah. You, do you, I know it sounds silly, but it's a serious question. Yeah. Um, do you think a relationship is like ruined if you have to use like sexual objects because it means like you're not satisfied with No. For, for our generation, um, there are, you know, all kinds of discussions that allow different tools, you know, like what they call the, the gel KB, I don't know, I never used it really, oh, but that the makes it more lubricant, I don't know, there's all this stuff. Lube, lube. that's what they call it, yeah. So that, that, there's discussions that you should use that if, it's, if you need, and there's all kinds of things to help the connection point. But at this stage where, you know, you guys hopefully you're not doing it day in, day out, you're not married yet, so, so I hope. So therefore, you probably don't need that kind of stuff. And the idea of, of once again, if a woman, it's really got to do with the woman, like what she wants and what she needs. And you're right, ideally a man should be able to fulfill her needs. That's, but we are, we're going to have ups and downs sexually and life can be stressful and people go through times when they're not performing fully. And you, you can get help with that, but also you can use other ways. But the main focus is once again what she wants. Not what you want. Yeah? You said um, the girl, a girl is supposed to like, receive all the whatever, bullshit. The um, seed, the energy. Like, what's, what is the girl mindset? Very, very good. So he's, he's sadly coming really deep in a, in a way, because whether he realizes it or not, because really the, it's called, called in Kabbalah, we're going to say a little bit of mysticism right now. It's called Mayim Nukvim. It's called the feminine waters, literally. You can figure that one out, yeah? What does it mean, feminine waters? So it means that there's a certain arousal from below. There's an awakening from the, from, from, from the, in the ideal understanding of that. There's an awakening of the lower aspects of the connection that they're wanting you more than you're wanting them. Do you understand? You've created a desire in them, and that really is what a man, by doing all the pre-game, all the emotional work, that's the real key to the game. You want them to want you, not you want them. And that's the real key to bring down good kids or please God in, in later in life and to be able to have a really solid relationship that you feel their desire towards you. And that really is, for most men, it's e men want every minute, you know, we're crazy, yeah? And women don't want most of the time, yeah? But a real relationship gets to the point where when it's really time to connect, they want you. They really, and it's an arousal from their inner being. They want to connect with you and they want you to come, to come and connect with them. It's a, it's a very beautiful thing. But it's not going to happen <coughs> with, and in, in the world out there. You, you, people use alcohol. People force themselves to fill those things because it's part of their like, group pressure. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. No alcohol, no group pressure, no society pressure. I need to like, 
you know, a lot of women feel pressured as well, just like you guys, like in their, in their way that they need to already have done it already. They need to know what it is. Like there's no pressure. Like each person connects to their person in the right time, in the right way that fulfills that deep need to connect to another soul in the most intimate way. Yeah. Um, do you also realize people do like, or do they just go straight to it? Because like, I, like, is it just... No, they shouldn't do that. That's just... a mistake. Um, if anyone, unless there's like a tremendous flow in the conversation and it's just, they're just in that state where they just want to connect, which is very rare, yeah? I mean, you'd say the movies, they just, just jump straight to it, yeah? But movies, remember, the movie, whatever you've seen in the movies does not mean real life. It's very important. I said about war, not, you're not Rambo, and you're not Brad Pitt, and you're not, you know, take anyone, whoever you, huh? Tom Cruise. You're not Tom Cruise. No one, no one can, I'm bad. No one can, no one can run, run that long like he does in every single movie, no matter what it is, always running. I can never notice Tom Cruise. It's always running. No, no one is like him. Yeah? He is unique, and he's, and he's not reality for 99.9% .9 of humanity. He's a unique human, human specimen. Yeah, so we have to get our heads out of the way the world has been depicted to us from media and get into reality. And to answer your question again, can you just repeat it? I just want to make sure I really get it. I mean, like, what I meant is like, do ultra-orthodox people... Okay, so, so the ultra-orthodox world, one, they don't have all those movies, so, so they're not going to jump to it, like, because of all those images of seeing, like, I don't know if you ever saw a film Basic Instinct, you should never see it. But like, it's just hardcore again and again, to the point where the people in the movie had sex addictions afterwards. They had to go to doctors, actors. They were messed up from the movie. Yeah, um, Michael Douglas and people like that. Anyway, so the point is that you should not, they don't have those images. They don't have it. So they're not, they're not stimulated that way to just want to do it. But there is a concept that they don't want to be busy with the area enough, the situation enough that they're going to spill seed. They don't want to spill seed because that's something which they're very careful of. So the Orthodox people would be very careful in that way. So they're not going to overdo the pregame. But if they've been given proper advice, and based on our friend's question here, which is probably the most important point, that, yeah, you, you hear me, brother? Yeah, I'm not going to say a name because I want to do it on the recording, but he, his question was the best, best point in terms of where we want to aim towards. Because we need to think about where they're at. We need to try to get out of our own head and our own needs and think about where they're at. Where's this other person at? That's why I'm saying in the program, you don't want to make all the women feel like garbage because you're just evaluating them. You have to think about the other person. You have to think about them more than that. And that sensitivity, that emotional sensitivity, that's really going to stimulate the opening of the, of the woman. That's how it works. The emotional game is, opens them up. And that's why every Orthodox person has to work, and every person who cares what God wants, has to really work on that part of the connection, that they do have to open up the woman. Because you understand, physically, just, do you know how it works, physically? If a man, I, I'm talking to guys, you know what, I'm not like making this up. If a man just comes and puts his thing inside a woman, she's not ready. It doesn't work. 90% of the scenarios. Yeah, maybe, like I said, there's always these exceptions. But most, it doesn't work that way. It's just going to hurt, it's going to be painful, it might not even work properly, it's just going to not, it's, it's not going to happen. So it has to be that process, has to take place. So that process as a Torah person would be, and that's the advice you're given, there is a process. It's even got holy names, 
You know, we're not, they're not doing wedding classes here. But everything has a name, like the concept of the, the Migdash, the base of Migdash, we have a temple and there's different avodas. So some of the names of preparing in spiritual terms and mystical terms is using some of those terminologies as the intimate moments has those terminologies to prepare for the moment of intimacy. And it, we're not going to get into it now, but like one of them is called Pitam Katoris, like the idea that you're meant to stimulate you know, in a way that creates a reach, a that creates an energy, creates a, a situation, it just comes straight in, it's just not going to do that. So that's, the Torah advice is, there is a process. So it's a mistake that people think that Torah people just, like, like, like it's very like non-emotional and very like robotic. That's not real Torah. That's something they missed out on learning about it properly. Yeah. They became too caught up with the, the, the fear of it and the, and the negative side of it that they, they lost the love. And it has to come with love. That's really, that's true Torah. True Torah is ba'ava, is with love. It has to be with love. So Orthodox people that have mechanized it too much are actually missing the boat. They're, they're not understanding what the, where the generation is. They're not understanding even what it's about. They're, they've become too robot, too robot style in keeping their Judaism. And that's where... That's a criticism on the Orthodox, while well, they can't be that way. You've got to keep the soul, the energy, the flow, the, the inner aspects of the Torah, and the emotional aspects of the Torah are also important. You, you say every day, what do you say in Shema, guys? Every day. You, you guys, you all say Shema. I mean, we're in a base midrash now. Yeah? What, what do you say? It's B'nai Akiva. Well, B'china B'nai Akiva. You get up in the morning, I'm coming here at nine in the morning, I just, I have Shachuris and I, I left. As soon as I could, just before Chris Torah, because I wanted to be here on time. Maybe I could dive in earlier, but I like the, the time I pray there. Works my schedule. So I'm here now with you guys early in the morning. I said Shema, and uh, you guys said Shema, I hope. What's in the Shema? It says, Ahafta, it's a Shema Lakecha, doesn't say, you shall fear him. It says, what do you say? Love him. Everyone says every day, morning and night. All the soldiers in the army, whether religious, not religious, they're all feeling this need to connect, to, to fill in, to sitsis, to, to, to feel like protected by Hashem in this war situation. And what's the most important part? The love. You should love Hashem, your God, with all your heart. So love is a big part of, of Judaism. And love is part of the Ava. The love, it's, it's a, the root of love is giving. And the man is the one who's meant to represent the aspect of giving. We're literally giving over seed, we're giving over life energy. We have to give it over with love. We're not giving it over with, with just whatever. Yeah? Are you supposed to say Shekhyana to your first time? <laughs> I've never heard that question. This guy is like a... He's a Hanish. So I, I like the idea. I think it, it, it makes sense for some reason there is no bracha on, on this whole aspect. What I, but there is to say, there is things you can say and have in mind that help the connection of our prayers for children, Ms. Moladovid, like there's a Sagula to say that before you connect with your wife. There, there are things spiritually you can say before you connect with your wife to just bring down a more spiritual energy, but there's no blessing. There's no specific blessing, yeah. Once you reach a stage where yeah. like, like you're old enough that you both you can't have kids anymore, are you still allowed to engage? Yeah, so this is something someone asked Ben Shapiro in um, Cambridge. They asked him this week, and he answered amazingly. They said to him, so therefore, once 
you've had your four children, which Ben has had, and he say he's not going to have any more. You should just get divorced. That's what someone asked him. And he said, I'm asking that seriously. Because his whole thing was about, you know, producing children and stuff. So he said, he said, well, one, I hope that my wife and I will not be in that kind of state where we want to get a divorce. Yeah. Two, yeah, like I'm saying, I'm 22 years married. I, I don't want to lose the, this is forever. Two, you have to understand that when you find this lady, this woman, this is a soul connection forever. And one of the most powerful ways of expressing that soul connection, this is God's will, to bring it into the body, into the physical. God does not want it to be theoretical or some speech in the shul. He wants it like everything in Judaism. What's the difference of our religion and all other religions? We make spiritual the physical. He wants us to bring spirituality into our intimate life. So that when we're with a woman, it's the most spiritual journey. You're journeying together with this woman your whole life. You're going to hold hands. You're going to go, go to a beach together. You're going to go on trips. You're going to go through challenges. Financially, this thing, you're a team. You're going through all of life's challenges together until you're 120 with this person. That's the ideal concept of husband and wife. And this, when you connect physically, that is something which is the most manifesting of unification, unity in this world other than when we all become one ultimately when Mashiach comes, the idea that this connection between man and woman is the blueprint, is the nimshal, it's the purpose of humanity to have unification between one human and another human, and the physical connection between man and woman is the most profound expression of that. And that's why it's the most challenged area. That's why, we, yeah. Um, are you, like, I don't really understand the, yeah. the, the Jewish perspective, but, um, like you in Judaism, you can only have sex with your wife to, like to have a child. Like, oh, so that's exactly what he's sort of what he's sort of asking. But you're right. No, that's not the point. Children, yes. There's a mitzvah, another mitzvah called having children. Like we know in the Torah, we just read it in Bereishit. Yeah, Purim. Yeah. What? But no, but that's not the point. The point is that there's a a mitzvah of giving her owner, what's owner? Her needs, taking care of her needs, clothing, feeding, and relationships, connecting physically you and her is an actual obligation in your kasuba, in your, in your marriage contract, in the Jewish marriage contract, that you are pleasuring her, you're giving her that feeling of connection, that honor that she deserves, that oneness that she, she pines for. You, that's the way you're thinking about it. Not just about, I get my beads met. I need to get my needs met. You're now thinking about her, what can I do for her? And you think about a real marriage, that's what it's about, you see it. I'm sure you've got parents, please God, even in this generation, you've got parents who you see your father really genuinely cares about your mother and takes care of her, yeah? That's a real marriage. I mean, a lot of people unfortunately have lost that image because of divorce and single parent families and people have lost that image of a healthy marriage. But a real healthy marriage, you see your father genuinely loves his wife and takes care of her and wants to give her things, wants to make her feel loved, buy jewellery, clothe her, like feel... And nowadays, even, a, even if you have a boss lady, one of these boss ladies who like, you know, running teams, they've got their businesses, they don't even need the husband. But they themselves will still want that because they still want to have someone to love them. It's just part of a, a normal healthy woman. They, they want that, even with all their success. Yes. Um, what does Judaism say about vasectomy? It's not. It's terrible. Well, that's what well, the woman taking away the ability to have pleasure. No. What? 
Both ways. Not, not right. Not right. What? It's when you tie the cord. The castration, yeah. It's not, it's, not, it's not right. Never. No. It's not an option. We, we are here. Remember, a lot of the things of like changing your physical self for the sake of society, it's not our style. Like we, Hashem made you in His image. He made you the way you're supposed to be. Don't start fiddling around with, with the physical aspects of your body, changing genders and all this stuff. You made a man, you be the best man you can be. You made a woman, be a woman. You have woman tendencies, channel them in ways that make you feel fulfilled, but doesn't mean changing physically. Physically, this is clear. Man, woman. There's no gender issues in, in, in Judaism, if you're asking from a Jewish point of view. Yeah, you have those feelings, you have those needs, work it through, figure out how to channel it. It doesn't mean you have to now physically change what, the way God made you. Yeah. Uh, what does Judaism say about donating to sperm um, so these are good questions. The problem is you can't really like just on a simple level spill seed when it doesn't go into a woman. That's why one of the questions that will come up is more relevant for us is what about birth control? The whole, the whole subject, we'll end on this because it's getting late. The whole subject of birth control. Yeah, you know about birth control in Judaism? What did you think it says? I'm asking you guys. Are you allowed to take birth control? Are you allowed to use a condom? No. No. What's the whole point? Like, if you would understand at, at a Torah level, the point is the seed needs to get to where? Egg. Not to the egg, to the woman's, the rechem, the woman's, needs to enter the woman's egg. If it doesn't get, there's not always going to be an egg that's ready on this and that, but it has to go into that place. Yeah? That's, that's where the seed needs to go. This holy energy needs to go to the right place. It can't go into a plastic bag, it can't go into, into the bum hole or whatever is going on it needs to go into no you brought it up i'm just quoting you it bring you have to put it into the right place so so that that's the that's the bottom line so now what can you do about birth control in that situation give me some ideas the spermicide that's one two next i don't like spermicides messy business huh it is it is huh spermicide i'm not into it works it kills the sperm, the ability to create children, and it's allowed because the sperm still went to the right place, but there was there waiting the substance that killed the sperm. What else? What other options are there? People pull out. That's a problem because then yeah. the sperm's going in the wrong place. Plus, that's not always guaranteed. How many people have, how many people have thought they pulled out and they didn't pull out and then they're you know, game over? Yes, there's all kinds of things you can put inside a woman now. Coils, this thing, that thing. You put inside a woman that prevents the seed from getting to where where it would go to create life, but it still made it to the main area. Like it's 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 allowed because it made it to the area, but it's not going to now make an egg fertile. And that's that's the whole. Then you've you've done the mitzvah, you've pleasured your wife and everything else you're trying to do, but you haven't created life, and that's okay. That we're allowed to do. Now there are rules. You can't. You still have a mitzvah being fruitful and multiplied, so you can't just forever just go down that road. Like people who choose to never have children, that's not really a Torah thing because you're meant to be fruitful and multiplied. Come quite fashionable, by the way, not to have children. I watched these YouTubers, Cara and Nate, and if you ever watched them, ever heard of them, they're really like famous, like they're, right now they're in their van life stage. But one of the things they do, which I really re recommend, right now they're riding from California all the way to the East Coast. They're, they're doing a bike ride on a three uh, man bike there's there's three couples three 
Uh, so there's three men, three women taking turns on the bike, and they're riding across America. So one of the things they did, which I really re related to, when they got a third way through, they made a party. They got out champagne, and they, you know, they had a party when they finally arrived to that point, and they celebrated. And that's really important. We should, in our class, celebrate that we got to the point. We did private victory, and we're now working together. I see this as much more interactive, much more my style. We're starting to win a little bit because we're getting through some real questions. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll end on this. I Last question. question. Yeah. Um, that's a serious question. Um, are you allowed to marry an infertile woman and then have a child with the egg of another woman and then have that be a child? Wow. That's a beautiful question. I mean, I, I, hope, I hope the answer would be yes because all these women who are infertile um, should have that opportunity because there are ways now through technology to do amazing things and this only whole unfertile story that difficult to have children there's so much technology now so many opportunities to freeze your eggs and all this kind of stuff is amazing and it gives people who've had issues with fertility opportunities to yes have children or to adopt children the specific question you're asking that would be a rabbi question because it's quite complex but um i, I can look into it um, and so maybe send it to me on WhatsApp in writing and I'll look into it because it's a, I'm not saying I don't know it but I don't want to answer in mistakenly because it's, it's quite complex but to end off today's class yeah you see one that all of you can contribute to this class it's not just me coming weekly it's something we all need to work on together there's things you're thinking about that I, I wouldn't think in this way you've come up with some ideas I went, you brought me to a very spiritual point. I started quoting Kabbalah, yeah? I didn't know I'd be doing that over here. But the point is that we as a group, as a team, need each other. I can't do this class long-term successfully without your input. So if you want to have any questions, you can send me as, again, during the week, I'm pretty, like, responsive. You can send me anything. If you have something you want to discuss during the class and you want me to prepare for it, I'll do it. The main thing, and we're going to go for the win-win, is I want you to win, you want me to win. This is a group effort, and it all goes back into the original parts of the class we had. And everyone should be blessed. A beautiful week. Enjoy your day. Good days are coming. Okay, good. We don't have to do any of that Zoom business. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, it would be a waste of time anyway because it's two in the morning in America. So, actually, probably that's when they're up. So, yeah, yeah, it actually would be worthwhile, but. You know, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Did <laughs> <laughs> you say that again? Um, no? Oh, yeah? Who went back? English? I don't want to say bad things. Yeah, we need to like, for brain. You know what for brain is? So when I was, my, for me, the best thing about my midnight rabbi job was they pretty much gave me freedom to do what I want at that time. Like, it wasn't like, there wasn't like no counselors. I mean, there were a little bit, but not like, one was checking in on what exactly I was doing. So for me, the best thing was to get the guys to come with me to Chabad for bringing. And I bring like half of this yeshiva, like, and it, you know, they'll come back like in such great mood, obviously. And uh, it, it was good times. I mean, it was alternative was the streets of like Ben Yehuda, because they were all living in Jerusalem, those yeshivas, but like, Another option was I, I, I got money for a recording studio because there was a guy who my dad was friends with. He just the year before bought Black Eyed Peas to Yushalayim. You know that band, yeah? yeah, yeah. And um, he'd done a big concert it's called Jerusalem Rocks. So he met up with me in 
the old city and handed me like 25k on his credit card and said just buy a studio so we did and the guys were using it and we ended up doing about the bands that year which i changed to unity of the bands unity concert and um because why why you didn't have any money after made off made off of it yeah and they stopped doing by that time they stopped doing any of those kind of things so i filled that space and the guys were really into it um anyway today we're going to talk about priorities yeah this is a hard one much harder as you go up the habits as you go through what we're learning together especially in bringing it back to intimacy it gets harder and harder and the reason being because it it's now going from private victory which we already said last time when we had the intimacy class like getting yourself sorted out it's, it's a whole nother story now to start bringing it into your schedule, bringing it into your public life. Because if anyone knows what's going on, on online, for example, the public life can be a little bit ruthless, yeah? Are you guys, do you get like cyber bullied or have you seen it going on like all the time? All the time? No, no, no. Good, I, I thought you were joking. You said it with a smile. So uh, yeah, you guys aren't getting that, but it is like a reality that people do go through and you know, these are, these are part of the challenges of being more public. Like, thank God I'm not that public, but anyone who is, is really getting smashed right now. Even people who are very positive, everything they're saying has been, like I've been watching some of the comments and usually it's positive, and they're starting to get like a lot of hate, um, negative energy, like Rav Shlomo Katz told me himself that he's getting a lot of hatred right now. So publicly, once you shift from being more private in your own, like you're at a stage in life where you're more working on yourself and getting your life together, but once you start bringing it outwards, it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge, especially the way the world's set up nowadays. So we're going to give us the tools to really get the private victory sorted out so that we don't end up, when we go public with our um, success story and what we're here for, what our purpose is, especially with a relationship. Like, for example, like, you can't really lock in a lady until you're, like, on a private level, understood who you are. You can't, I mean, you can't really love someone else until you love yourself. Like, that's, that's the rule, yeah? Like, you can't really be dedicated to another human being until you've figured out your own flow. Yes, please ask. If I'm not for myself, then who will be for me? Yeah. Yeah, hello. Yeah, so it's all it's true. And if I'm not for myself, who would be for me? And if not for now, then when? Like, there's a certain, as we said yesterday, last yesterday's class being all in. There's a certain push right now to be a bit more on the ball than we ever were. Like less chill, more like focus. That's what's going on generally. We spoke about that yesterday. And I put it up, I think it's important, I, I shared it around with you guys because I, I listened to it again myself and I realized there's a lot of good points in that class that I myself need to hear. Like one of the things I didn't mention, which I'd want to mention, we mentioned about Amravinu. Now he was married to Sara Menu, and I didn't want to say this to you to, in front of the girls. I think the girls were pretty like, like into it, they were cool. Like I felt like they, they were welcomed inclusion at that time period, but um, I, what I don't want to say is stuff that's going to make you guys feel like uncomfortable because you're probably not doing it. Yeah? And I know myself, like being married for 20, almost 22 years, 
that Amavinu, when he put his wife first, like there was none of this narcissist, like, you know, sort of taking advantage of the fact that women are givers and want to want to nurture. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they they generally. So, like, Amavinu, what the first thing he did, he set up his tent for his wife, meaning he took care of her needs before himself. Yeah, that was that was a challenge that. Straight away at the beginning of the Torah, we see already a sensitivity towards his wife. She was also the most beautiful lady in the world. That's brought down in the Talmud. Like, we all know that Jewish women are the best, yeah? Everyone agrees on that? Right? Yeah? So it says in the Talmud, nine-tenths of beauty was given to Jerusalem. And I knew about that when I first came to Israel, so that was very motivating to come visit. I don't know why they don't use that as a brand tool, like, for you know, for birthright and all that stuff, you know. So if, it was, if I was in their marketing team, I'd be, that would be one of, my, one of my lines. But nine-tenths of beauty is given to Jerusalem, yeah? Given to, so that includes the ladies, yeah, in my opinion, yeah? So the idea that there's certain um, specialness to our people, and Sarah Menu, the first Jewish woman, was the most beautiful, and Avramavina knew that, but that means he had to look after it. Because what happens when you go to say, you know, I don't know if you have these districts where you grew up, but like in London we had Soho or you have nightclub scene, yeah? If you go to more sleazy places, you're leaving the door open for the sleaze to get hold of your, your lady, yeah? So you, that's not a good move, yeah? I experienced that firsthand. I had a girlfriend. I bought her a beautiful dress, like really beautiful, like hundreds of pounds, which would be like, you know, way more dollars and thousands of shekels and I went out with her family for her birthday in the new she was wearing the new dress and then what was the move I made that was bad I then took her out clubbing what do I need to take out this beautiful girl clubbing what's the point you know, what do I need to, just because my boys are doing that or whatever but I've got my girl I don't need to go to a club I don't need anything from that environment yeah but being the stupid kid I was I took her out clubbing and what did she do that night now, I had a little bit of an addiction to, to fruit machines. You know what fruit machines are? Mm -hmm. Does anyone? And you're English, yeah? But. So, you want fruit machines? You know, yeah. the, the like, you know, 777, 770, you get Chabad, no, I'm joking, you get money. Yeah? Like, yeah, you hear, you get jackpot, you get. Okay. So, I was busy with the fruit machines, and you put quid after quid after quid, that's a pound, and you're just putting it in, it's eating up your money. Anyway, so, I was busy doing that. And then I come back to the dance floor and she's like, I don't know, I'm going to use the word snogging. You know what snogging is? Yeah, yeah like really having a good, good one with another guy in the dress I just bought her after going out with her family on her birthday. And I've been going out with this girl for a while and I was just like, whoa, you know. So this was a long story. I, I could get into the parts, you know, because this continued for a while. Like, even ended up in one of those crazy islands, like Ibiza style. And she was there, and he was there, and I ended up getting to fights with him um, and his Did boys. You huh? Did you win? I was pretty much by myself. For some reason, my boys. We were having, like, I was talking about it actually. When I had a, remember I told you I had a reunion with my old friends? So we had a discussion about that trip, because that trip was weird. We all went to this island together. A few of, a few of uh, the boys are meant to join us later. But we were like a group, and it was such a negative energy in this island with all the, like, the drinking and the, the, the scene and the whole thing that we ended up, my boy, half my boys ended up 
freaking out one time, like one of them had broken up with someone, like it was just, and he ended up throwing stuff out the window, it wasn't even them, it was someone else, but then he got accused and they all got sent uh, out of the hotel and sent home. And like the whole trip just went really like not good. And so then by the time I saw that guy, like and his boy, his crew, like I was pretty much that night by myself. So it was like me versus, and they were older than me as well. So it, it wasn't such a good successful <laughs> situation. But, um, one moment that was important, and this will relate to what we're learning, is we were, I was in the nightclub later on that night and she was there without all those boys. And she started singing a song, which was very famous at that time. It was like a famous dance song. You're free and got to do what you got to do. You got to live your life and be what you got to be. So it was a famous dance song then. If anyone's from the 90s, they would know what I'm singing, yeah? Anyway, so she was singing it and I suddenly had this moment. I'm better than this. This is not my life, fighting women. I mean, even that night, I even got with some girl, you know, the night before, to try and make her jealous. And she was like one of the, like, I don't know if you know what it is, but there's like these club girls who literally they're there every night and they're there as part of the club, but they're, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and so she was like doing that with me and I ended up back at her place and I literally did nothing. I, I like, she said, come, we want to lie. I was like, I've got to sleep. I'll hug you, I'm emotional, I'm feeling broken about this girl, this other girl, and she said, honestly, I'm fed up with this lifestyle, I'm missing my life back in Wales, that's where she was from originally. And funny enough, a lot of the stuff she was wearing was like all like extra, like she had like extra hair, you know, added on, and like high heels, she wasn't actually that tall. And you know, when you get into the real life, it's all an illusion, yeah? Like but the prettiness and stuff. But um, this other girl who was singing to me at the nightclub was, I felt like I was suddenly, the ex-girl, like, I'm better than this. I don't need this anymore. And I had this moment of godliness in a nightclub in the most sleazy place in the world with someone who just broke my heart for like a bunch of months. And I was like, I'm going to, and that's it. I literally, after that trip, my whole life changed. I ended up back in Spain because that's my family, have a place there and a swimming pool and everything. So I went and ended up there. And I ended up, every time I ate non-kosher food, getting violently ill. I, all my earrings started getting infected and popping out. And I started making choices, like, because I had one up here and two here. And my ear went really big, it was really weird. Like, because it, it just, it got infected and it just blew up to the point where I couldn't have my earrings. And by Yom Kippur that year, I didn't have any earrings anymore. And I wasn't eating, I was only eating kosher. And, and it wasn't like any rabbi, anyone was like brainwashing me, it was just, God was taking over my life, literally. It was a weird thing. Like, I'm being I'm really honest. I'm telling you, it was like, I was, it was like, God was saying, like, you're better than this, than the secular lifestyle in London. And just, and it wasn't coming from any program or outside. It was just from within. I had a few sincere people around me who weren't religious who would just talk to me about real things that helped. But it was, it was an amazing experience as a person, like, to go through that. And I knew that I had to get out of that environment. And that, that was a key point, like what I'm getting at. Like when you have, you found this girl, you have to be clever about it. You have to think that this is now, as you said, all in. I'm all in with this person and I can't create situations where I'm going to ruin it. Like for example, the nightclub. There was no need for us to go there and that ruined our relationship. Obviously it was meant to be because she wasn't the one. And, um, 
you know, funny enough, I did reconnect to her about 10 years later. I was working for Yeshiva. Was, I don't know if it's still around, the Sion. Yeah, they're still the Neve boys. They're still around. You ever see them around? I don't know if it exists. I can even call it Ferris or something. Something else. Anyway, they're, they're all from, uh, they all live in, um, in Telstone, Yeshiva. You ever see the Telstone boys? Back in the day, they were like, the boys would come to town and just beat people up, literally. Yeah, like that was what they did. They were like the toughest guys and all big druggies as well. Anyway, so um, I was working there and there was a guy actually like throwing furniture around because having like a breakdown from I don't know what drug he was on. He ended up, um, he ended up going back to rehab in California and then he ended up in prison, that guy. But the, I was locked in the office because I didn't want him to throw a chair at me and I was with one of the guys and I was busy on the computer and I said, you know, I've just reconnected to this girl like somehow online, I'm gonna send her an email. And he was like, oh cool, what are you gonna to say to her? I'm just gonna say I'm sorry because like, before she cheated on me, I cheated on her. And I felt bad like that whole time period. So I wrote her an email and she was like, oh, it's so nice to hear from you. She said, that time? So that time we were kids, you know, it meant nothing. You know, like, we're just like, you know, we would, it was, we were immature, we didn't know what relationships was. So, I, I wrote back to her, I said, I hear what you're saying, yeah, it's true. But still, like, I've had a journey since then. I know it's over 10 years, I'm sure she, I think she even, was even getting married. I was married already many years. And I said, like, nothing to do with that. But, like, it's just, I just want to, like, have closure. Like, feel, I feel bad the way I behaved as a young guy, even then, yeah, even then. And she was like, okay, if that's how you feel, great, no problem, you know, let's move on. And I haven't, thank God, had any contact. But like the point, the point was, the point is that these kind of relationships, which you just at the time you think are just hookups and fun, but it does affect you, and it did affect me to in a deep way. I'm not saying afterwards you're now going to have this God moment, but it did affect me in a way that opened me up to want something better, to want something that wouldn't be so painful and so rejecting and so lack of trust and to be so embarrassed as well. Because remember, I was at a nightclub, all my friends were there, and all her friends were there, and all this guy's friends were there, and it was in front of everybody. It was very embarrassing as well. Yeah, and I was crying at some point, because I was like, I didn't realize how much I cared about her, and it was just a very embarrassing moment. And the worst thing was, this was the worst thing, and this is where you start to realize, with relationships, you start to do really stupid things. I, even that night, I drove her home. Like, what? drove her home, like, why would I drive her home? Yeah, like, and I, I carried on, like, in this circle, like, sort of stuck, with not getting, really letting go of her for a while. And that's something which, like, you can get confused. The, the, the love energy, the whole thing with a lady can really play with your logic and intellect, and you start doing crazy stuff. So what we're going to learn today, I wasn't planning to talk about that, but it came out. I think it's important. We have to first get rid of the false relationships to get to the right relationships. And being able to now bring everything we've learned now, being proactive, that means we've, what's proactive? You guys tell me, we've talked about it enough. Yeah? Choosing, someone here said. You making a decision. You making a decision. Choosing. In that, bring, making the relationship happen, meaning creating relationships, yeah? Okay, second, what was the second thing we've been learning over here? End in mind, mission statement. One of the things your counselor said, you have a journal, is that right? Does anyone use it? 
Honestly, I bet the girls do. But do you guys use it? Maybe. Okay, so if anyone wants to use it and wants to write down stuff, great. That's what she asked me to mention. Okay, I did my, I did my job. Okay. But, okay, I know the girls are definitely probably using it more, yeah? Because um, the different, like, women have, have a different way of taking these kind of things more seriously. Um, but the point is that you've got your phone. Somewhere, write down your mission. Somewhere, put it down. Start working on it. Even now, trust me, you'll appreciate it long term. Because it will give you that individual like, self-control that you, you're more self-aware now. It's not just about what your parents are saying. It's not just about what your friends are saying. It's not just about what the counsellor... You start to build your own vision of who you are, what you're here for. It's important. Yeah? This is your life. You know, it's no one else's life. And as much as everyone's going to say their piece to you, you've got to figure out for your own individual way what it is I'm here for. And that's got to be your own personal thing. And you write it down. And you develop it, and you develop it, you can pray on it, you can discuss it with someone who you feel is more objective and actually cares about you legit. Like, these are the kind of things you can do. Now, we're at a point, once you've done that, then we get to this third thing, priorities. What is my priority? Is my priority fun? Like, if you would figure out, what's the top of my priority list? Like, what am I going to invest the most amount of time in? Is my priority this latest, like, Xbox game or PlayStation game? Yeah, or... You know, you have to figure out, what is my priority? Is it while I'm in yeshiva or in, in B'nai Akiva or wherever you are, while I'm in school, while I'm in university, is it to get laid? Yeah? I don't know if you know what that means. To get women? Yeah? Like, is that what it's about? Like, is that my priority? You can start working out, what are my priorities? Like, is it to honor my parents or not? Is it... You start figuring out. And when you start to work out what the most important things in your life are, then you can start setting it up how you're going to go about doing it. Now, every company, every business guy, every successful person you look at out there, they know what their priority is. And they're so laser focused on doing it. Like, there's nothing going to stop me. I, I would get out a pen and start writing on the board, like all these quadrants, and start mapping out how you need to make that the main focus of your time. Because basically, otherwise, what happens, you spend a lot of your time putting out fires if you don't do this. What does that mean? Like my whole story with the girl, you're wasting your time with this girl who's not going to help you in anything in life other than play with your head and your money. And you're not, you're not going to get long-term much back out of this relationship. Like it's a waste of time, basically, literally. Or if you're totally addicted to your, to your video games, which right now I have a game I'm playing that my kids got me into it. And it's a stupid game, like hotel or something, running a hotel, yeah? It's really stupid. Uh, maybe I just enjoy the fact that you make loads of money out of it and constantly scale. But, um, so you're constantly scaling and building this hotel. But the point is, if I were clear about my priorities, I wouldn't waste my time of it. Yeah? So that's like, we've got to figure that out. Like how much time we have to also have fun and chill time, but not that it takes over functionality. Yeah? And this is like something which once again, as I said, as we're going on these classes, it's going to get harder and harder because this is starting to get into more subtle, like, real look at yourself in a much more, like, analytic way. You're not just going to be, like, you know, whatever the, the road takes me kind of thing. You're going to be a bit more mindful and intentional. And that's going to happen all the time, like, with, with life, that you're going to have to figure out 
more and more, like while you're in yeshiva like, or Bnei Akiva or you're in the university or wherever it is, like even though there is a whole time set aside to just chill, but there's also time to learn, there's also time to give, there's also time for yourself. That's really important. You have to figure out when you're with yourself sometimes to put the machines away and just figure out who am I? What am I doing over here? Like, what am, what am I, there has to be some self-assessment. That's why it's one of the things, having a mission statement is really good. Or journaling or figuring out your creative spark. Like if you're a musician, if you're an artist, right now my wife's starting to paint again. You know, because it's not because she has lots of time, but just because she needs to start tapping into that side of herself that brings happiness. You can't just only be a mummy and work, you know, it's, or, or like be a father and work, or be a young guy and just have fun. Like there has to be a time for each thing. Like life is built into quadrants, into, pro, into schedule. And you need to make sure, for example, exercise, very important. Everyone needs to release physically. If you're only sitting inside classrooms or doing whatever, like you're not gonna feel like in a good state of mind. Like the people who make sure they work out every day, they're in the most like focused, vibe, vibing energy kind of process. Like right now, I'm a big swimmer. I don't have a swimming pool in the front. I don't know what, delayed it, it looks like it's great. It looks like it's ready to go. I don't know why. And now with the war, they have probably more excuses because the Arab workers or whatever the other reasons are that it's not being open. But for me, swimming is crucial. Like, I need to swim. It just does something healthy. It releases something, being in the water. I don't know. Everyone needs to figure out what that is that's going to help you feel in the best state of mind. Yeah, it could be, like, healthy eating. It could be... Basically, the concept is you want to live effectively. Now, where do we see this in our holy Torah? And we mentioned it last night as well about being all in, yesterday's class. So Ulin is Avram What did he do? He was there for God. He was there for his mission. The whole of Avram with all his heart. And that doesn't just mean his good side of his heart. It's two hearts. There's a, you have a negative heart as well. Your, your bad voices, your negative voices. Everyone has that. Everyone has a bad inclination and a good inclination. Avram what his message to the world was, you have to come to the game with both. Not deny that you have that negative side to yourself, that ego. You have to be real, you have it, and use that also for your mission. You have to figure out how to channel the whole being of who you are into everything. And that was Amvino being proactive, getting stuff done. Then we have Yitzhak Avinu, his son. Yeah, we're going to see a lot more about him coming up. Yitzhak Avinu was Bechol Nafshecha. He gave up his whole life. We know that next week's Pasha, Akedis Yitzhak, he gave up literally his whole life. He was willing to. But he also was willing to give up it means a certain like self-control, a certain focus of what your mission is. That's what we're learning about the end in mind. Yitzhak is all about end in mind. Yaakov is the next one. Guess what it is? Priorities. What was his priority? What did, he, what did he build for the Jewish people? Family first. How many kids did he have? You go figure that one out. Twelve kids. How many wives? You just said 12 sons. 12 sons. Four wives. Now, I can't deal with one. Yeah, you're going to deal with four wives. Yeah, now you know, understand a little bit now when it gets, starts getting a bit labor like challenging, in the, and you see with the sons and with Yosef ends up in Egypt. All the stories that we know so well that Yaakov was the one who had to serve what? Moedecha. With his money, 
Anyone who's got kids knows very expensive activity. But also with your attributes, your character traits, with how he's processing all the things that kids do to piss you <coughs> off. Yeah? Let's think of it, let's be honest. How much have you pissed off your parents in your life so far? I know I have, yeah? and I'm still 43, I'm still doing it. But at the same time, they love us so much that there's, a, there's room to like, work it out, there's room to move on. Hopefully, you, you're trying not to overly do that. You're trying to respect them. And the point is, that's Yaakov. Like, he is the master of priorities. He's the one who knows how to prioritize work balance with work-life balance, with bringing up the family. He's the example of this third attribute. And you see how it connects in perfectly. Avram is proactive, being kind. End of mind is, is Yitzhak Avinu giving up, giving it all, having a mission. And Yaakov is priorities. First things first, family first. It fits perfectly to the characters of our Torah. Now let's think about Avram Yitzhak Yaakov. We all descend from them. Every Jew does. Yeah? They represent very holy attributes that we can all learn about. And they, they've implanted in us those attributes. That's why the Jews, Jewish people are exceptional. But the most important thing is to realize they represent the private victory. This whole time period now in the, in the Torah is teaching us private victory. Teaching us how to get ourselves sorted out. Avram Yitzhak Yaakov style. Yeah? Proactive, end in mind, priority style. Then, only then can we start becoming a people. Having 12 tribes, get into Moshe, building this larger mission of, as, a, as a people and becoming public. You get the process. The Torah is talking to us in a real way. Saying first, get yourself sorted out. Avram Yitzhak Yaakov style. That's how the Torah begins. Then, we then we're ready to go now. What? And become a nation. Become 12 tribes, become a nation in, in, in the world and start being public. So that even the Torah itself is built in this formula of public, private to public. Sort yourself out before you can go and build a family and a nation. And that's the process. It's very, it's very clear. Like, you start to, well, this is one of the things. This, this is something you should all think about. Have you ever, ever looked into life and really figured there's so much patterns going on? The things are not just like WhatsApp or you know, happenstance. Like, there's a flow. There's a pattern. Does anyone ever, like, have that? Maybe it's just me personally. I think that way. But there's, a, there's like, a, there's a flow. Like, who you, who, like, you start to think, wait, wait a minute. I feel like I've been in this place before. And you know what? Things start to connect up. Like, start to make connections. Does anyone think this way? Or am I just the crazy one? Yeah? Maybe I'm the crazy one. I, I'll take it. Yeah? You start to make sense. I mean, I'll give you an... For me, big thing right now. I don't know if anyone's into soccer, but Spurs right now are top of the league. Yeah. And that, what'd you say? Delusional. That is, oh, but it's, but it, you go onto the Google and you price the Premier League of England and my team is top of the league. My team is bottom of the league. <laughs> Who's that? Ajax. We just fired a manager yesterday. It's a big disaster. Okay, we won't talk about it. But uh, it's, it's unbelievable, like, and they lost their best player this year, like, maybe. But Kane, yeah, and then he went off to Bayern Munich, German team, yeah. It was bit, even that's a bit of a kick in the year army to Kishkas. But nevertheless, it was, it was a bit uh, crazy to think that a football team that generally never wins nothing, always just is in the middle of the table somewhere, and suddenly a new management comes in and there's a whole new energy 
and the main player leaves and it sort of opens up. I, I'm just trying to understand a little bit how could they be the top and how is that relevant for me? Because say they've got this guy Song, he becomes the captain, yeah? If anyone plays FIFA, Song is like one of the top guys there, yeah? My son who plays FIFA all the time always has Song on his team. Like he's the guy you'd want on your team. And one of the things about Song I love so much, yeah, if I do love, it's not just that he's a really nice guy. Like, that, I'm not saying that that's unusual, but it probably is in football, because they become, you know, big stars and get a lot of media attention, and, you know, it's, it's, they, it's a hard lifestyle. Like, Joe Rogan himself is in awe of soccer players or football players, because he says, like, the amount of exercise, the amount of, you know, they, the amount of running they have to do on the pitch, there's probably no other sport like that. It's not like American football where they have your football for Americans, they have like, they have breaks, you know, advertisement breaks throughout the whole game. And there's constant, it's, in soccer, it's literally football, it's non-stop running for 45 minutes and then again another 45 minutes. And it can be extra time as well, huh? All right, you're true. Those drivers are nuts. And by the way, if you want a movie to watch, that movie on Formula One, the, the gaming one, that's, that's, that's a film worth watching. What was it called again? Yeah, that was good. That was a good movie. I took my family to that. That was like, whoa. Like, taking like, technology and movies like, to another level. The characters are in it were really good as well. Um, that's, if you're going to, between Barbie and that, go, you know, uh, definitely Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo, it was great. Um, yeah, so you're right. There are other sports that are really intense. Like they even have a 24-hour one as well. But they have a team. But that's a team. And it is still the stop-offs. And, but soccer is like non-stop. And it's, it, you see how big the thigh muscles, the leg muscles are. Because they have to do so much running. But Song, what's great about him is now he's in a position now of more authority and more influence. What he's done, from what I'm gathering, is he's really creating space for everyone. Madison also, and then there's that other guy who was suspended, who's amazing as well. Yeah, Bismar, whatever his name is. So they've got, they've got some really good players, so that helps. But the real key to the game, as much as Song is, as, is the new management. Why? Because it's from Australia. Obviously they're going to do well. Who's Australian here? He's not there we go. You got one Aussie. Yeah, the manager's Australian. So, but what he's done, from what I'm understood, is he's redefined the whole energy in the in the team. He's picked up everything at a level, and you see, it's so important to have good leadership. And this this is something which I've worked really hard on, because when it comes to finding your priorities, you're generally not going to be subjective. It doesn't matter who you are. You're generally going to have things that you're going to prioritize that shouldn't be your priority, you're going to get caught up with emergencies, things that you don't really need to take care of. So what the advantage of having a manager or a leader or someone objective to talk to, someone outside of your, your personal like, needs, you're going to have someone who, or your own way of looking at life, you're going to have someone a little bit outside of that, and they're going to help you be most effective. That's one of the advantages of having a program. It is healthy to have a place where you can, they help guide you at this stage of your life. They give you like a, a curriculum, they give you a schedule, they give people like myself come in to give you a little bit of that guidance. It's important because you're not going to always be in that 
kind of vibe of wanting to do this kind of focus and prioritization. And you're going to need something outside of you. Sometimes life will force you to prioritize. Right now, the war is forcing people to prioritize. Like my son, he was a party guy, like on some level. Not like crazy, crazy party. But like he got to the point very young, very quick, like I did also, where he grew, up, he grew tired of it. Like by 16 already, he sort of had enough somewhat. And he started to like, right, even when he went out to town, he would like stay away from all the action and just, because he used to get into a lot of fights, we'd stay away from it. I mean, a story he just told me recently that there was an American guy um, who was constantly like giving it to him, like, you know, like making it, like getting in his face. And so at some point he beat, beat him up, like really bad, yeah? And he ended up in hospital, like, it was pretty serious. And I was worried his father was gonna sue, I don't know what, because he was a very rich guy. And he was, he was basically sticking his money in my son's face, saying, my, my, my son was saying back to him, this is just your father's money, you don't have nothing, yeah? But anyway, so I was a bit upset with my son, because, you know, in the end, the guys come to Israel, you don't put him in hospital. Like, you know, you can be upset, you can tell him to back off, but you don't put him in hospital. Anyway, about two years later, my son's growing up, he's in the army, he's more mature, and he's on the tram, like the light railway, and this was like a recent story. And he sees the guy, and the guy comes up to him and says, look, I really want to apologize the way I was like getting in your face. And, you know, it wasn't good what you did to me. And he said, yeah, I'm really sorry that, you know, I, I, we, he said, basically they made up. The guy said, look, it's amazing timing. I'm about to leave Israel. I'm going to work for my father. I've been here now for years. I'm probably not going to be back for a long time. It's weird that we bumped into each other. You know what? I'm taking you out. You and your friend, my and my friend, we're going to go out for dinner. And he went and took out my son. My son sent me a picture of him sitting with this guy and, uh, and the other, his friend and the, the other guy's friend. And they had dinner together. Yeah? It was like the recent moment. Like, this is cool. Like, he's grown up. The other guy's grown up. There's maturity. Now they're, like, figuring out, like, it's not just about the, at the moment, you know, the alcohol that they're on and just, like, that ego sort of man sort of, you know, making sure everyone knows who he is and he's around and he's the toughest guy in this place and all that kind of nonsense that goes on amongst us guys. And he's like, no, we're going to make peace, we're going to eat, we're going to connect. And then the guy went, literally after that meal, went into a taxi, went off to the airport. It was his last time in Israel. And this was like a real story that just happened very recently. I mean, I've got so many stories and this is, my, this is not even me, this is my kids. Yeah? So we start to realize that you start to live like a bit more elevated life with all these kind of decisions. Instead of beating people up, you're, you're making, working it out. You know, and he, he was real that, yeah, he does have, come from a wealthy home and it's not right for him to splash it in all these Israeli, hard-working Israelis' faces. At that time, my son was working in a falafel store, so he keep coming in there and like making fun kind of thing. You know, like he's got his dad's card and, you know, life's good and he can just buy this and buy that. And my son's like schwitzing away working in a store. You know, like... It's like, come on, have some respect for these young people who are working for their, for their money, you know? And um, so there was a certain, like, fixing of that. But anyway, the point is that schedule, prioritization, and being focused on what you're here for you might need a little bit of outside help to get there. Um, since we're, we're sort of ending up the class now, I want to ask anyone any questions. We've had now three important principles put out there that connect into our essence of who we are, being kind, having a mission, and now how to actualize that mission in real time 
Obviously, there's loads of levels of how to get that better and better done, and we can discuss it. But does anyone here have any questions, like right now, what's going on in life? I know you guys are in a program where they have changed up the flow. There was meant to be more TLM. You're meant to be going around doing more stuff. I know that's hard because the TLM. I joined a program when I came to Israel. It was called the JLE Experience, yeah, and it was amazing. We went like everywhere, all around Israel, and. If I was at your stage and having to go through, well, that's pretty cool. And I was at your stage going around, like, yeah. But you know, by the way, they they sent, they we ordered, we managed to. What the, what's the word? We helped effectuate. Or there's another word for it. Sixty knives for the my son's unit. Like we helped raise money for that because they didn't have the proper knives, army army issue knives. And so someone was asking me when I told him that. He says, "What do they need knives for?" So my wife's answer was, well, they need to cut things, you know, like if they're trying to get, you know, through a tunnel and there's going to be booby traps or who knows what, they're going to have to cut stuff, yeah? I said, uh, I hope it's just that kind of stuff, but I think it's going to be hand-to-hand combat. Like, what happens if your bullets or the guy's right in your face, you know? Like, you're going to have to... And then the, the, guy, the other guy whose son's also in the army... He was just like, no, no, I can't talk like this, man. Like, he, he can't like the process that this is where him, we're raising money for knives so that they can be in such heavy situations with these Mishraim, with these crazy people in Hamas. That's true, 100%. They also got ceramic vests, very high quality vests, brand new bags. Like everything was updated, thank God, in this time period, thanks to all the kindness of the Jewish people. And, uh, you know, we have to realize that this is going on right now as we speak. And therefore, like, rather than mourning the loss of TLM and more like a fun energy, a larger program, as we spoke yesterday, it would be wise for all of you to figure out what can you contribute. Everyone, as I said, has a sphere of influence. Share posts that make you proud to be a Jew. Share posts that make you proud to be in B'nai Akiva. Try lift up the morale of your family, of your people around you, because in the end, it's a war effort. We're all in this together, and the war's not ending any minute. Yeah, there's still hundreds of people hostages, yeah? It's not like it's, it's all been resolved, just because they haven't gone in to invade fully yet. They've been bombing, and there's less missiles right now, thank God, but it doesn't mean it's over. That's the whole game of this. It's never really over, because what do they want to do? They want to kill us. Yeah, so making a ceasefire, what does that mean? Until they rearm. That's true, I agree. That's true. No, he's right. They, that, that's, he's 100% right that there's that side of it that they're going to get smashed and they know it. And that's why they're starting to even talk about giving the hostages back, like all of them. You're right, that is a voice going on amongst them. But then there's the leadership who are not there in Qatar, who are not going to get any parking lot. They don't care. So they're the ones with the final say. And what are they going to say? Ceasefire until what? Rearm. And then they do worse things, you know? You know, this whole thing that happened, by the way, I was listening to Rachel Frank, uh, Rachel Frankel. Do you know who she was? Yeah, the, the famous story of the three boys who got kidnapped. I was listening to her, Oliver Shalom, I was speaking, listening to her, and she was saying that what her son's being, you know, 
it's hard to say this, but these are her words, of being taken hostage and the discovery that it created of the tunnels of that time, yeah, prevented what happened now for nine and a half years. That, that were the words that she said. Meaning they were planning that, that kind of craziness back then, but because of the three boys, they found the whole network and destroyed it. Yeah, so it prevented, they were able, that, that, that prevented what was being planned. Because imagine all those tunnels and all those entrances into Israel, they were going to come underneath. Now they figured out how to go over or, or um, through. But the original plan to 2014 was to come underneath. And so Rachel Frankel was, say, Rachel Frankel was saying that her boys had the merit to basically prevent a disaster for nine and a half years ago. Okay, so it's just, a, like, it's just been delayed. It doesn't mean that... All we're doing with them is just delaying their inevitable plan. So what do you want to do? You're very clear about what you want to do. So you basically want to... Yeah, my, my son said, I'm going to find a villa for you, Mum. That's what my son said. Yeah, back into it. Yeah. Okay, so that's exactly what my son said. He's going to get a villa for my, for my family by the beach. Most beautiful beach, apparently, over there. That they've been completely wasteful and misuse, misuse of all that product, amazing land. We'll get it back. That would be the ideal. And, you know, where they go, who knows? You know, maybe Egypt will take them, Jordan. Who, yeah, somewhere. I don't know. Maybe the world somewhere. The ocean. Huh? The ocean. Ocean, could be. Um, yeah, so. If they don't bring under the ground so much, we have to put them under the ground. Okay, so. <laughs> so the. <laughs> so the army, the, army sh the army should have priorities as well, as we're hearing here. And I think the majority of Israel, I think the, as we're a democratic country, if we were asked to vote on this, if there was a, like a vote were taken right now, it would be more towards what you're saying. I think that almost all Jews, no matter left, right, middle, it doesn't make a difference, even not Jewish, yeah? even uh, Druzim, I think all agrees, agreeing that we need to destroy these people. Yeah? That's pretty much like consensus. So I understand there's global politics, I understand that you, know, there's, you don't want to do it with minimum life loss on our side and on supposed innocent civilians on their side. But um, it's complicated in that sense, how it's going to actualize. And we're still in the middle of it. Like we, I don't know how they're going to actually fully... They have flattened it somewhat. That they've done. But the problem is there's a 40,000 terrorist tunnel network going on, 40,000 people network going on underneath, and they're all waiting for action. Like, they're armed and they're ready for us when we enter. What are we going to do with them? Yeah? Hopefully they're already buried on the ground. We hope, but the, the intelligence, that's what intelligence is busy trying to figure out. Because it could be they're actually, they created such a strong system that they haven't been affected by all this bombardment. And that they're sitting there in air-conditioned, because where did all the money go? Where did all the resources go? It went to this, this problem, terrorism. Uh, and Quetar. Another the question is, why can't they just knock out the guys in Quetar? Yeah, why can't they, you know, put, ask Putin for some of his assassins or anyone, or use Mossad should have have the best anyway? Why can't they knock those guys out in Quetar? What, what's what's holding back this amazing army that we have? But what's holding it back? 
So would you say they've got the right priorities or their priorities are confused? The government, the army, it, it's hard to know. Yeah, and the problem is we need them to, to make the right decisions. So we need to, once again, as individuals, put pressure as a voice that we want action. We want something to be done. We don't want to end up another terrorist attack the next time. We don't want it to just keep getting worse and worse. There needs to be some strong action taken. This is evil and it needs to be removed. Like, like unfortunately, Kahana said years ago, but they're a cancer, and if you've got a cancer, you've got to get rid of it. Otherwise, it consumes the whole body. Yeah, this is like a, like a clear understanding, I think, by most of us. The, cra the crazy thing is, there are people that don't think like you, and they actually have power. And that's the problem, that we're surrounded by a lot of people whose priorities are not straight anymore, and they're not tuned in to what life's about. Like, if we would get into the relationship thing, Everyone knows, like I, I brought you sex education when we discussed that, that program. Everyone knows that the priorities over there are skewed. Like the, people don't even know what they are. Yeah, or you go to any, any like up-to-date, woke, like influenced outlet and you'll say like, the, what are the priorities? It's just weird. I don't know what you, you're even selling anymore. Like what, what is it? What is this message you're trying to say? Like what is the hope? Like, I remember Ben Shapiro said a, a, a funny thing, like the recent Batman movie. I don't know if anyone saw it. Was it any good? Anyone liked yeah. it? I think I watched it on a plane or something. I remember where I saw it. And I, I was sitting there and I was like, I agreed with Ben in this point. It was a quite a good movie, but, we, but it just felt like Batman wasn't really into it anymore. Like, he was like, like doubting himself. Like, when I grew up, the superheroes were all in. What's going on? The, the, the superhero like, doesn't know what he wants anymore? Like, maybe he's gay or something? I don't know. Like, like he's starting to have sexual like, you know, crisis, like identity crisis. He doesn't know what he is anymore. And like, he's, is he, are you Batman or not? Like, what are you? You Superman? Are you Am Yisrael? Are you the Jewish people? It starts, everything starts to lose its, like it's too diluted and no one like, has any clue of what they're doing and it's just a balagan. And then how can Batman take care of him? I mean, he, I mean, I heard the next one, he's going to have a lot to deal with. He's got the Joker, he's got Penguin, he's got, you know, he's going to have a lot of bad guys to deal with. It's just getting more heavy, the whole situation. He's got the new guy, the Riddler. He's got, like, whole, you know, the Two-Face guy, if he's still around. He's got, he's got all the bad dudes to deal with, and it's just getting more and more. And then not worse thing is they're getting more organized together. So, like... If Batman starts doubting himself, he's not going to, be able to take them all out, yeah. And if Catwoman's on a holiday, yeah, in Barbados, he hasn't got anyone to even help him, yeah. So I know this is a stupid example, but I'm just saying, like, if the Israelis are out there overseas having a good time in whichever island they're in, in Phuket or wherever, and they're not here, like, which thank God most of them returns. It's amazing watching the amount of reservists who came back then now we know what we are. We're here to take care of our business. There's no doubt. And we're superheroes. We're not like, you know, having a, uh, what's the word? Like a crisis of uh, identity or there's a word for it. Consciousness or, huh? Yeah, that's it. Good man. Accidental, there's not the time for it. There's not a time for philosophy discussions about, you know, you know, who was right historically, Golden Mayor versus, you know, or Begin versus, you know, Rabin, like, 
get over. This is old stories now. We gotta. It's now tachlis. We gotta take care of what the current security requires, and this is about like as as a as Rabbi Shlomo Katz said. I'll quote him today, and we'll end off with this. If we have compassion on the wrong people, who are we supposed to have compassion on? Let's, let's just get it clear. What's our priorities? Who, who, what, the, what was the trait of compassion that Yaakov had so strongly? What was it about? Who's it for? Us. Yeah, for our children, for our, our legacy. If he has compassion on the terrorists, what is he? Dumb. He's, he's dumb, he's cruel. He's causing, he's basically causing his kids to get buried. So the people he's most have, supposed to have compassion on and he's misplacing it towards the enemy, he's killing his own people. And he's killing his own family. That's a complete misallocation of priorities. That's like not family first. That's nonsense first, craziness first, so-called liberalism and love and liberty, and, but all gone wrong, all in the wrong direction. Nothing to do with, with wisdom and godliness or just normal human logic. It's just it's madness. So what we have to do in our little sphere of influence Make sure everyone is clear about what our priorities are as a people, and that will, in our small way, influence all the way up. It will. Don't deny your power to influence, and don't deny your ability to get the message of truth out there, and don't deny your ability to, to demonstrate and live your priorities. Live it. Live your priorities. Make important things priorities, and don't let emergencies and nonsense become your priorities. And that's, that's the, the class today, to live effectively. Thank you. And if the army do this, we'll be successful. We'll win. Let's hope they do.